Hey guys, it's Michelle, Leah, and Brandy, and this is Spooky Shit and Tales from the Beyond. So this week we are going to be talking about possessions and exorcisms. And I will be starting with um, the exorcism of Annalise Michelle. And then I'm going to talk about the possession of Michael Taylor. And I'm going to be talking about the possession of Anna Eklund. Fuck, I didn't even Google how to say her name. Damn, Eklund probably. Damn. Probably. Okay, all right. So I'll be starting. Taking um, things off. I'm going to be taking things off, of course, <laughs> per usual. And I'll be talking about the movie. Uh, the story behind the movie. The, the, I'm gonna read the synopsis of this. I'm movie gonna read it. Yes. Ron Tomatoes, bro. I'm gonna be talking about the story behind the movie, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Nice. So the movie is based on a young German girl named Annalise Michelle. Shout out to Michelle. I think I've heard this. Probably. Her story is the only instance of a demonic exorcism that actually ended up going to trial. Oh. So I we're gonna. I have heard this. Yeah, so we're actually gonna hit that at the end. I'm not gonna bring it up for we're a few minutes. We're gonna hit it. We're gonna take it off. Hit it and quit it. She was born in 1952 in Klingenberg, Germany, to devout Catholic parents, Joseph and Anna. To most, Annalise was a happy but quiet girl. She would attend a mass twice a week throughout her childhood. By the age of 16, Annalise experienced her first incident of convulsions while at school, causing her to blackout. When she woke up, terrified in her bed around midnight, aka that's not a good time to wake up, <laughs> she was unable to move and felt a heaviness pressing down on her chest, which made it really hard for her to breathe. So just imagine like sleep, sleep paralysis. paralysis. Yeah. yeah. If you guys listen to our sleep paralysis episode, you'll know like that's instantly like a sign of it. Like if you feel a heaviness on your chest and you're paralyzed. Uh, I like how we have to plug another one of our episodes in every episode. Now. We have um, to. If you listen to sleep paralysis, what's it called? Sleep paralysis and finish my sentence. What is it called? The shadow people. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's not. It's something funny because I'm fucking hilarious. No. Are you? Anyway, Are you I don't know. I shine. Brandy, quick, quick, quick. Quick, quick, come on, you rabbit. Oh, don't worry, uh, in other time. news, Leah got stung by a stingray. Oh, yeah. So, we're in the middle of this real quick. Let's tell you guys. Just skip a minute. So, real life spooky story here. <laughs> uh, three years ago, I was at the beach here in San Diego. Oh, three specifically, years ago? Did I say three years? You said three oh. years ago. <laughs> you guys, I, have, I honestly I honestly have been trying to speak for like literally the last two days and my boyfriend has been like, are you okay? <laughs> are you years. having a seizure? <laughs> Three days ago, days. I'm sorry. I'm like, why are you lying? Three There's years a ago. Weird backstory here. <laughs> I got, got sung in my dream three years ago. It's no, cause so it's, just because it's July doesn't mean you gotta lie. Quarantine be lagging, bro. Oh so three days ago, I got stung by a stingray at the beach here, uh, Coronado in San Diego. Yeah, that's a fucking horror story. Honestly, I don't wish. I don't. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what a story. I don't. I don't wish that feeling on my worst enemy. She was even doing the stingray shuffle. I was doing the stingray shuffle. I was walking in the sand. I was very hyper aware that Coronado is like a hotspot for stingrays. Your bitch got fucking hit on the side of my ankle. That shit went through. I was like, okay, it's a sting, and I got out of the water. Five minutes later, your bitch is crying. Got my mask on. Lifeguard's like looking at me, and I'm like, there's tears coming out of my eyes. I got in the car and I'm sobbing. It just... I received several Snapchats where she was crying. Yeah, I didn't it hurt so bad. <laughs> it hurt so bad. It's not. It's not the initial pain of the uh, the singer going through you. It's the venom that they give you. Which, yeah, I don't know. It's but why she's having a hard time talking today. Yeah, 
three years ago. <laughs> yeah, that shit gave me fucking gave me brain issues or some shit. I, don't I, know. I thought you were just gonna like in that sentence. That gave me back to the story. Brandy, what's the name of the episode? Sleep process and and zombie couple. Oh, apocalypse. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay. I would have never gotten that. Yeah, I again. know. <laughs> so that's a reference so back to a thing. previous episode. But for now, we're talking about exorcisms. And if you guys forgot, 30 seconds ago, I said I'm talking about Annalise Michelle. So. Just repeat the entire story. <laughs> I honestly feel like I should. No, don't. Okay, so like I said. It's hard for me to edit it. Like I said, she was pretty much experiencing things that would be very similar to things during sleep paralysis. Like a heavy feeling on her chest and that she couldn't move. And after that had happened, it would be another year before Annalise had another episode. So once again, she blacked out and woke to her body being completely paralyzed and felt fear at her loss of control like she couldn't move at all obviously that's a scary feeling and so her parents uh, the next day took her to the doctor who then referred her to a neurologist who ran an eeg to test for brain dysfunctions what's an eeg an eeg i don't know <laughs> i don't know the exact I okay i don't know the exact wording for it and i i literally have a feeling you were gonna ask me but it's pretty much like a thing they put around your head to test for brain wave activity. As soon as I could tell you weren't going to continue explaining it, I was like, let's call her out. What's EGG? <laughs> EEG. Bitch. I was like, wait, it's egg. <laughs> no, it's not. It's EEG. EEG. An electroencephalogram. That looks like a long yeah, see? word. I Googled it because I was going to put it in here. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to be able to pronounce that. Good job, Brandy, though. Thank you, Brandy. (laughs) So her parents took her to the uh, doctor who ran the EEG, and the results actually showed her brain activity was completely normal. So the doctor concluded she was just experiencing uh, cerebral seizures and epilepsy. They do the brain thing. They see a little demon inside of them. Yeah. (laughs) And this is, like, the 1960s by now, so they they didn't have, like... um, Modern technology? Yeah, they don't have the modern technology. And what's it called where they, you sit down and they... Cat scan? Is that no, a cat scan? I'm else. surprised they didn't commit her if it was the 50s. A girl's freaking out. They're she probably like... Up, she ended up going to psychiatric hospital. Oh, damn. See? Okay, <laughs> okay so... Speak... Yeah, okay. Michelle, you spoke, you, spoke, you spoke too soon. When she was 17, she was put into a psychiatric hospital in hopes well, it may improve her worsening health. Let me guess, they shocked her every day, and they're like, heal, heal. <laughs> no, they actually they actually didn't do that on her. So, here in the hospital, she experienced a third episode similar to the first two of seizures. An EEG was done on her this time, and the results showed irregular brain activity. She was prescribed an anticonvulsion medication, which her doctors believed could alleviate her of, se- of seizures. <laughs> but, looking back now, it's possible that the medication that they prescribed her actually might have prolonged her hospital stay and only further worsen, worsened her mental health. <laughs> why do you guys make me start, honestly? So rude. I make, I just feel your pain. That's why yeah. I'm laughing. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it too, Why don't I bring my glasses, I honestly? I feel like I can't in English. I can't. I'm still just living for the, so three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you have to put that in, dude. So, a few months later, she was finally able to return home. But, things only further spiraled out of control. While living at home, Annalise still regularly saw her doctor. She had confessed to him that she had started to see demonic faces since Uh. living in the psychiatric hospital. And that she still sees them randomly now throughout the day at home. Cool. Which is cool cool confession. Good vibes. (laughs) Good vibes. (laughs) 
She claimed every time she would see them, she felt very, very empty as if the devil was living inside of her. I know. She Jesus also Christ, my neighbor calls <laughs> She also told him about a foul smell coming from her house. Just your ass, Annalise. Close. <laughs> this this smell Annalise would describe as burnt feces. Ooh, and it's literally her ass. Her sisters corroborated that they would also smell it, so it's hard to miss this as all in Annalise's head. Like they smelled it too. Someone was just shaking their pants and, and not lighting saying it on fire. Yeah, <laughs> lighting their ass on fire. No, I'm saying like pooping and lighting oh. on fire. <laughs> I like your fucking creativity. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> exactly, and it's filled with shit. <laughs> ass okay. on fire. So by the age of twenty, Annalise's condition was further worsening. The delusions of seeing demonic faces became much more frequent, and her behavior became increasingly disturbing. She believed she was hearing voices telling her she was damned and would rot in hell. <laughs> okay. She would hear knocking throughout the night as she was trying to sleep, but this time, none of her sisters and neither her parents would hear the sounds. Her parents actually ended up taking her to a hearing doctor after she complained of hearing knocking sounds, but they found her hearing to be in perfect condition. Yeah, what kind of hearing condition were you have where you just hear somebody knocking on your bedroom walls? <laughs> <laughs> you have, like, excellent hearing. I know. <laughs> So it's also important to mention that up until this point, no one believed that Annalise was possessed, just ill, and treatable with medications. In fact, no one had even suggested she was possessed yet. Nobody had even said anything about fucking demons or the devil. Except for her seeing fucking demon faces every day. She wasn't. She didn't even think she was uh, possessed yet. Like, she, even didn't, her. she didn't describe them as demon people. She was like, just random faces. Just very yeah, demonic. Just faces. Yeah. <laughs> but... Maybe to her, she had thought that it was something like a side effect of the medication she was on. I don't know. Maybe. She was on a lot of medications. She began to experience bouts of depression and started to struggle living her day-to-day life. Been there. <laughs> but, Am I right? But <laughs> did you struggle to walk and talk? So Annalise started to struggle to walk and talk as things started to take a turn for the worst point. At dinner one night, Annalise revealed her hands were unusually swollen. Her mom referring to them as, like, twice the size as normal, like, extremely enlarged. She pulled them up from the table and cried out, quote, I have black hands. My savior, forgive me. <laughs> I'm not joking. Her mom said this. She told her family she could see demonic faces in the walls. And this was literally at the same dinner table. She described at the same these, exact time? Yeah, the She's like, dinner. by the way, guys, I've been seeing demons. Like, her family saw her, her hands, like, extremely swollen, like, not looking natural like and she was like this is a good what? time to tell them yeah and then she ended up describing uh, the faces she saw on the walls having quote seven crowns and seven horns ew i know <laughs> so a family friend who attended the same church was actually the first one to suggest that perhaps annalise was demonically possessed oh she noticed um one time when they were together that annalise was unable to walk past a crucifix and refused to drink the holy water in mass so she's like, you guys should get your daughter checked out. And yeah, so they kind of started to buy into it more after their friend said something. So at this point, Annalise, her family, and their and pretty much the entire church community had become convinced she was possessed. <laughs> Word spread fast. Yeah. They reached out to several different priests asking for a potential exorcism, but were unfortunately all denied and were recommended to just continue medical treatment. Okay. They also pointed out, as we know, that exorcisms have to be approved by the Catholic bishop, which, you know, we learned from the Ed and Lorraine Warren episode. Yes. You can't just fucking perform an exorcism. You gotta get it approved if you want it to be, like, sanctioned by the church. So, in order to be considered for an exorcism, there's actually really strict criteria you have to fit in. 
And it was also around this time that Annalise's grandmother died and her older sister moved out and that left her with even more emotional trauma. Like, Jeez. two people that were really close to her, like, they pretty much left her. Yeah. So, with no, with no help from the church and less family support, Annalise started to behave in a very, very disturbing way. She... It gets really, really okay. bad. <laughs> she would sometimes drink her own urine off the floor. Oh, well, that's not that bad. No, <laughs> shut up. Are you okay? No. She would sometimes drink urine off the floor, eat spiders, and self-harm. On one occasion, her mom recalled her seat. Her mom recalled seeing Annalise's eyes completely black out while looking at the crucifix. Ooh. Can you imagine? That's oh, that's so scary. That's some fucking alien, bro. That's some supernatural <laughs> shit. That's a demon, bro. That'd be Lucy. Lucifer. Lucy. Lucy. I was like, Lucy? <laughs> so a priest, Ernst Alt, became involved, completely believing that Annalise was possessed. He was actually able to convince the bishop that she was possessed and was able to get the exorcism approved. The bishop granted priest... Arnold ran permission to perform an exorcism in complete secrecy as long as nobody knew it was okay by the bishop. Upon meeting Annalise, he was he was completely shocked at her condition. He said that some unknown force would repeatedly throw her to her knees any time she tried to stand. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much like if you think of somebody praying on their knees, it was the same way. Yeah. After when she'd be on her knees, she would stay on she would stay there and say the Hail Mary prayer. Sitting beside her, he said, quote, depart her. And Annalise grabbed his rosary around his neck and ripped it off. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and, and rosary is supposed to be, like, super sacred, regardless of it, if it's an exorcism or not. So that was very disturbing to him. Would that mean if it was, because I imagine, like, sacred items aren't demons, like, not supposed to touch them or something. So it must be a strong to. demon to be able yeah. to grab it. Well, supposedly Annalise had six demons in her, so... Mine had more, so... Six? Really? Your demons were more? really awkward, yeah. Are your... Um, like, uh, it said dozens of lesser demons on top of the main one. I'm mine? not trying to brag, but if you guys want to skip to the end right now, that's when I'm going to be talking. I mean, mine were... Oh, mine were oh, six... No. Mine, mine were like, six had big thousands. demons. Mine, mine were six big demons, though. Okay. Mine had some... You'll see. You'll see? Oh, mine's, just wait till mine. Mine's more than both yours. Okay, sure. but wait till you hear the big names I'm going to be dropping crazy. I got some names, too. <laughs> okay, just give me a second. I got some names. I got some names. So, on Sunday, August 3rd, 1975, Annalise had her first exorcism performed by Father Renz and Pastor Alla. Father Renz, being the elder of the two men, led the exorcism according to the ritual Roman of 19, sorry, 1614, which is the standard way the Catholic Church performs exorcisms. And if they're wondering, like, what that is, just think of any movie you've seen of exorcisms where they're pretty much saying, the power of Christ compels you and speaking a bunch of Latin. That's pretty much what it is. Speaking in tongues. Yeah, speaking yeah. in tongues. <laughs> A.K.A. Latin. <laughs> so, at the time of her exorcism and this several more to come, she was still being treated with the antipsychotic, anti-seizure, and mood stabilizer drugs. God damn. So, she was heavily medicated at the time, so that's just something to consider. She wasn't in a good place for these exorcisms. <laughs> no. So, immediately as the first exorcism began, Annalise began to speak in a deep, guttural voice. Oh, no. Mm. Michelle, what's a guttural voice? Guttural. Remember when you did that, like first episode first episode yeah you don't need to go back that far <laughs> that's okay that's a bad episode don't listen <laughs> so yeah. she began to speak in a deep guttural voice sounding nothing like her usual self she had even requested the recordings of her exorcism to be made public to prove to prove its legitimacy so that's why so many audio footage is available all over the internet I and i heard some of this i'll play some oh good i was gonna say you should play some yeah 
So if you look on YouTube and play recordings of Annalise's exorcism, uh, I have to warn you, it's very, very disturbing. Uh, I literally got chills. <laughs> well, because she's, it sounds like somebody that's possessed. And she you guys sound like an animal. It's German. hard to say it's in German. I don't oh. know. So I'm also going to be playing you, you two some of the, the audio footage right now. Play it. You don't have to. I don't know how good the audio is inside, but I'm going to play you guys, and you guys can oh, tell me I'll cut this out if it's bad. <laughs> Let me pull it up on YouTube. Demon reveal time, guys. <laughs> what's my? What's in my demon <sighs> hall? <laughs> <laughs> so this is Hitler. So I was reading online that it's not like it was necessarily Hitler. It's at the time period. That demons could have been imitating Hitler because they knew the situation of Hitler. Um, they knew that he would be an intimidating person. It's kind of similar. Like my, they don't think it was a demon. My alien guy thought that the aliens resembled Nazis. Yeah. Cain of Cain and Abel. That was her. Well, that's sad. Mm-hmm. That picture from the beginning versus there. That's a real picture of her. That's oh, sad. Dude. All right. So far, Cain is the worst. Yeah. We found Lucifer. Bro. Wheels. I don't know. Guest appearance by this. <laughs> it's so disturbing. If the audio is choppy here, I might be cutting in between these to be faster. This is Nero. <laughs> oh. This one's very unique. Fleischman. Fleischman. It's a disgraced priest. He like betrayed so the church. So Fleischman's the worst so far. <laughs> this is real footage. The audio. Ugh. She wanted to be made public. Oh, terrifying. Oh, she wanted people to believe she was possessed. <laughs> Should have put a warning. <laughs> Ooh, terrifying, huh? I was watching like a documentary that was 30 minutes long and they were like randomly put it in. Judah, Judah, us. Oh my god. Does that make you feel like you just need to like light some sage after this? Brandy's face is hilarious. <laughs> Lucifer! Oh, shit. <laughs> oh. It's a no for me, dog. <laughs> it's a no from me. It's so scary. try to obviously if that if it sounds okay when michelle edits we'll keep it in otherwise maybe we'll try to edit over um otherwise we'll like post a link of the video but that was the six demons that were living inside annalise really really fucking disturbing audio but anyway very so after sorry that, we didn't warn you sorry <laughs> we just jumped into it jumped the fuck in it so after that first exorcism and over the next 10 months annalise would go through 67 exorcisms <gasps> and she'd usually have one or two each week jesus christ yeah she's like wednesday go grocery shopping thursday exorcism and it reminds me of like having like therapy sessions you're like okay i have therapy this week yeah. and this, 
Yeah, Sarah, this girl was like going through exorcisms every week, and sometimes it would last up to four hours. Ugh. So very like you know emotionally draining, obviously, <laughs> physically. physically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Annalise was convinced that she had been possessed by several demons, including Lucifer, Judas, Nero, Cain, Hitler, and Fleischmann, who was a disgraced Frankish priest. And also a note on the Hitler. People think that she wasn't actually possessed by Hitler himself, but during the time period, obviously, Hitler was a very hated man. So they think that a demon just used his name. So it wasn't actually Hitler. I mean, shit, maybe it was, but... (laughs) So these demons would often speak through her, saying all sorts of disturbing things. By this time, Annalise was becoming extremely thin. During many exorcisms, she would actually gorge on so much food that the priests were very confused why she remained so malnourished. Like, there'd be times where they would just give her so much food and she'd eat a bunch. And she would, like, I read somewhere that she would finish it with, like, two liters of, like, a juice. And then she still looked so tiny, like, 80 pounds. But also, I think on other occasions, she wouldn't eat. So, it's hard to say. Like, she was mal... Someday she would, like, gorge. what was happening. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, on one occasion, the priest called out to to each of the demons by name, ordering them to leave her body. After the last name was called, Annalise went silent. When she spoke, it was in her normal voice saying, quote, I am completely free now. Completely free. It's so wonderful. Completely free. Right as things were starting to look up to the priest, just 10 or 15 minutes later, all the demons were suddenly back. He's like, psych! Yeah. I know, isn't that so sad, though? She said that. She's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then they came back. Damn. They said that no matter how much they wanted to, they could not leave Annalise. Over the next few weeks, the demons would complain through her about wanting to leave her, but somehow being bound to her, unable to escape. They would scream, quote, we want to go out, but we're not allowed to. The fuck? Even Lucifer? Yeah, they're all tied to her somehow. Who was keeping him in there? Mm-hmm, I don't know. the boss. <laughs> but it also could be, if, if we want to believe it's demons, it could be people saying certain names, you know? True. I'd be the we don't know how that works. I'm Lucifer. I'm Lucifer. <laughs> yeah, the big boss. During moments of lucidity, Annalise would complain of the pain in her body and was quoted saying, quote, It is a terror which goes through all my limbs and settles there. It is a dread that makes you think you are right there in the middle of hell. You are totally, utterly deserted. Which is a very, very sad quote. She said that when she was, like, not being possessed, obviously. Because <laughs> she wasn't always, you know, acting up. Like, she wasn't always acting possessed or, like, demonic. Um, she actually, like, through the times of the exorcism and before, she had a boyfriend to just, just to, like, really point out, like, they was Boys still t- liked her. No, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> just to point out, like, she wasn't always, you know, acting possessed. Like, she had moments of lucidity where she, she just was just a normal young fine. girl. And then, you know, some days, obviously, it would hit her. So, in the beginning of 1976, during an exorcism, Annalise told the priest that something was going to change in July. And... Okay. On the 1st of July, at the age of 23, she passed away. <gasps> yeah, so she literally predicted her own death. Oh, I didn't think she was going to... The 1st of July. She died, yeah. And her cause of death was malnourishment and dehydration. Dehydration. <laughs> Pretty she died. She died, baby. <laughs> like... So she was, she was weighing just 68 pounds, <gasps> or 30 kilograms at the time of her death. At a, as a 23-year-old, 68 pounds. That's like how much she was six-year-old weight. Yeah, I she was really, really emaciated. And I'll show you guys the pictures, and we'll Whoa. post them online, too, to the Instagram. But um, you can tell she was very, very sickly. It's very sad. 
Her knees had actually, at the time of her death, been broken due to continuously falling on the ground. Just like I said, like, the demons would supposedly, like, throw on the ground on her knees, like, oh several times God. during every exorcism, and they were broken at the time of her death. It's like, just tie her down or something. I know. Fuck, stop letting her slam herself. So, the previous year, she had actually experienced a similar period of being malnourished at that same extent. So, I think everyone had thought she would survive this phase, uh, just like the last time, but her body had endured way too much this time. And remember, she had gone through 67 exorcisms oh, at this point, and her, her body just kind of, you know, went yeah, on itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can't blame her, to be honest. Poor thing. So, following her death, the state began an investigation to see if Annalise's death could have been prevented. After yes, bo- they could have taken a fucking pause on the exorcism. Yeah, yeah. Like, keep going twice a week. Let's fucking go. That's so exhausting. Like, yeah, even, yeah, yeah. so if you play the devil's advocate and say that she wasn't possessed and just mentally ill, like imagine that's even worse. Imagine people <laughs> just convincing you you're possessed. Like you're gonna buy into it if they're coming twice a week. And even regardless if she was possessed, like that's a lot for a body to go through it twice I think, a week. I think I actually heard about this story on Case File. Yeah, it's fucked up because they don't they don't even tell stories as possessions. They just spoke of her mm-hmm. as someone who was mentally ill. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. So after they started investigating, her body was exhumed and a case was made. The prosecution went against Annalise's parents, Pastor Ernst All and Father Arnold Renz for negligent homicide. So those were the two pastors that were there during the exorcisms. That's kind of good. Yeah. Her body a break, too. During the trial, the jury was played several recordings of Annalise's exorcisms in hope that they believed that Annalise was actually possessed. And then obviously on the other side, like, they didn't want... They wanted to think that they were... She was just being neglected, like, medically... However, the jury was a rational bunch, and they found the four, um, so the two parents and then the two priests, they found them guilty of manslaughter resulting from negligence. They were all sentenced to six months in jail and three years of probation. That's not even that bad for... No, it's not bad. So, I was reading a lot of Reddit threads, too, about it. I couldn't find too much information on, like, what actually occurred during the exorcisms. And I know that there is a lot of transcripts and recordings. I didn't listen to them just because I had written this yesterday and researched yesterday all day. But a lot of people were saying that the way that they did the exorcisms, that she was, like, tormented and, like, abused. Which, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like, they're doing that many exorcisms on somebody, you know, twice a week, once a week, twice a week. Like, that seems like a form of abuse on its own. Like, do they, like... They didn't hurt her or anything. They just mean, like, they weren't... Emotionally. Yeah, emotionally, like, spiritually. And um, so I actually, just for the first time yesterday, I watched the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which is what her story, it transpires into that movie. And have you guys seen it? I... It's older, right? Yeah. I think we watched it when we were little, but I don't remember. I never watched it, at least not that I can remember. Have you seen it? Is it on a streaming platform? Let me check for you. It's really funny if it is on Netflix and we... It's on Netflix streaming. Maybe Hulu. But anyway, so the movie is... I would... If you guys want something to watch this next week, I would recommend it. The Haunting... Are you going to say The Haunting of Hill House? Once season two is over, we need to do a fucking live podcast about binge watching it over the weekend. I'll buy the food. We can do Instagram live. (laughs) Um, but anyway, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, if you guys haven't seen that, it's actually a really good movie. Um, the story pretty much takes place, the girl's name, Emily Rose, obviously, and it's after she had passed away, and they do a bunch of flashbacks during her trial about what she went through. It's obviously dramatized a lot, but 
it's still worth the watch. If you have the stars add-on, it's on Hulu. I don't. Yeah, if you guys are <laughs> if you guys are bougie and have the stars add-on on Hulu, go ahead and watch it. But if you're like me, you'll find a way. That's all I'm gonna say. It's on Amazon Prime for free. No. God damn it, Brandon. And that's that's <laughs> all. Three dollars. That's all I have to say. Brandy's already yawning. Damn, Brandy, you already bought <laughs> your own story. Yeah. All right, it's your time to shine. All right, hold on. Oh wait, other um and other fuck Damn. other irrelevant other, fuck. other irrelevant uh. news. Brandon got a puppy. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell us a little about your pup that's not here today, despite my request. <laughs> <laughs> he well, he's an adorable German Shepherd. He's gonna be three months. I think on Sunday. Grow so fast. Yeah. Um, his name is Dante. Beautiful name. Like Dante's Inferno? That's what I was saying too. No. Like exorcism related episode? <laughs> Shout out? <laughs> no, it's actually from a Disney movie, Coco. Oh! oh. Is Dante? Yeah. Oh, That's I cute. Even, I forgot that. <laughs> yeah, it was either Dante or Scooby, and I kind of like Scooby, but we were already calling him Dante. Yeah, so, we so were like, You don't want to get him confused. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, I love that. But yeah, that was a nice little break from demons. <laughs> For you. Alright. Michael Taylor lived in Osset. I think that's how you say it. I'm just going to go with it. Sounds right. Osset, West York- Yorkshire. That sounded great. Mm-hmm. Yorkshire. Is that Yorkshire, yes. Yes. Okay. Sounds I was like, that almost sounds like New York, but not. <laughs> Bernie just did a really weird version of New Yorker. Right <laughs> New Yorkshire. New England. <laughs> oh, that's funny. He was married to a woman named Christine, whom he had five kids with. They also Ooh. had a poodle. Aww. The star of the story. <laughs> so there's just a little background. Uh, neighbors described their family as mostly cheerful and happy. They specifically describe Michael as a generally kind, mild-mannered, and loving father and husband. You know, I'm hearing mostly. I'm hearing, like, <laughs> normally. Like, what's the truth? Yeah, <laughs> there's room for error well, here. Well, other than when he was possessed and started stabbing because, everyone. <laughs> because, like... We'll get to it? Yeah, we'll get okay. to it. Because this is what they said, like, after everything I thought it was, like, happened. before. No. <laughs> This is like what they, you know, they were like, he, they were mostly happy. And like, totally I don't understand how this happened. You know? Type yeah. Thing? The negative thing they could only say about him was that sometimes he was prone to minor bouts of depression due to a severe back injury that had left him with chronic pain and an inability to find a long-term employment. <gasps> that's a, that's a depressing thing. Albiism? Albiism. What is ableism? It? Ableism. When they discriminate against people who are have dis- disabilities. Because mm-hmm. they wouldn't let him have a long-term job. Sue their asses. Well, I mean... <laughs> no, it was like him. Like, he had chronic back pain. And he would get Cut depressed. it out, future Michelle. <laughs> Don't keep that in. Yeah, I guess he, he used to work as a butcher. Oh. Before him. So I'm like, damn, he must have That's been like... That's what Sam I would be on like a Whack. one of those like wheelchairs just rolling around. What's that? Is that how butchers do it? Whack! Yeah. You have to say whack every time you hit it. And whack. then you gotta do the sape. You're like. Anyways, he was 31 years old in 1974 when everything started to go downhill. Mm-hmm. So, Osset had a population of about 17,000 people. 
and was known as like a pretty religious town. Like everyone, you know, went to church. Were they Catholics? Like, God fearing Christians. 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 I was gonna say something earlier, like it's weird how all of our stories are religious, and I was like, literally possessions what? and exorcism. It was very on the same brand as Leah saying, "My Warren story took place in Connecticut too." <laughs> um, that's, all... a, that's a reference to our Warren episode. All of our stories are religious <laughs> experiences. I'm like, these are all so similar, you guys. Yeah, maybe it's because we chose the same topic for all of us to no, talk about. All of our stories have people in them. It's oh. not spooky and demons. <gasps> Although the Taylors had never particularly been devout, they skipped a lot of church services held near where they lived. Okay. So, like, they kind of went here and there, but they weren't, like, what were we they? gotta go to every... What were the Christians, like, the Christmas and Easter ones? What was their nickname? C&E's. The C&E Christians. They only go for Christmas and Easter. Gotta hate me, those Shout Christians. out to our dad who doesn't listen. Anyways, a friend of the Taylors, Barbara Wardman, introduced them to a church group called the Christian Fellowship Group. Creative pretty, name. Pretty basic <laughs> name. Uh, it was led by a 21-year-old charismatic preacher named Mary Robinson. Of course, the young Wait, charismatic preacher. What did we learn about charismatic preachers, though? They're cult the leaders. The previously non-religious Michael began to attend regularly, <laughs> becoming really involved and a believer of the teachings. He was just really into this 21-year-old charismatic teacher. So, yeah, he started attending, like, all the functions, group functions, and spending a lot of time with Marie. Some people said it was, like, an inappropriate amount of time. It sounds like it. (laughs) He even went joining congregations where they would use the power of God to exercise people of their sins and speak in tongues. Uh, what? It just gets weirder. <laughs> Marie and Michael would even engage in private rituals where they stayed up all night making the sign of the cross to each other in order to ward off what they believed was evil power of the full moon. They were banging. That's just what they were telling people. They were doing people. like a cross shape with their body. They did. <laughs> it's a really unique sex Sorry. move. Sorry. Yeah, it's really unique. <laughs> they didn't want people to find out their, about their fair. Well, we were actually just making crosses at each other all night. So, yeah. a sign of the god. <laughs> On top of him becoming super religious, his behavior at home changed. He was more irritable, argumentative. Argu- argumentative? Yeah. I think that's it. You got it, bro. Oh. And just straight cold to his family. He started spending less and less time with his family. More time Sounds with Marie. Like he was having yeah. an affair. Mm-hmm. He was definitely. <laughs> I'm just waiting for Brandon to be like. So they found out he was having an affair. It got to the point where Michael's uncharacteristic, erratic behavior, bad attitude, and infatuation with Marie became quite clear to all those around him, Uh, especially Christine. Mm, How old is he at this point? 30s? He's 31, and she's 21. During a congregation, Christine actually decided to confront Michael about his relationship with the preacher and accused him of being unfaithful. (gasps) And this was when shit hit the fan real quick. Did she do it in front of everyone? Did she what? Did yeah. she do it in front of everyone at church? <gasps> Brandy nodded. You couldn't see. <laughs> <laughs> Michael was reported to have felt an evil influence cast the shadow over him. Compelled by this force, he lashed out verbally and physically to Marie. <gasps> 
that several churchgoers had to restrain him before he seriously hurt somebody. Whoa. I don't know if this was a demon or if he was just being a dick. Yeah, he just didn't want to, <laughs> he didn't want to take responsibility for his actions. He was like, the demons are overtaking me. <laughs> what I don't understand is why he was like, he got upset and like attacked Marie. Marie was the preacher. And not his I got wife. their names confused and thought that was his wife. No. Wait, what the fuck? This is exactly. even weird. He could have been thinking that on his head like, how dare her tempt me, you know? Like, she was tempting Ooh, me. That's some creepy, yeah. like, nice guy shit. Yeah. <laughs> the um, Satan, their fucking Satan was tempting her or some shit. Ugh. I don't know. Well, I got a little bit of what she thought. Okay. Marie Robinson would later testify and say, I suddenly glanced at Mike and his whole features changed. He looked almost bestial. <laughs> he kept looking at me and there was a really wild look in his eyes. I started screaming at him out of fear. I started speaking in tongues. I was on the verge of death and I seemed to come to my senses. I knew that only the name of Jesus would save me. And I just started saying over and over again, Jesus. When Wait, Christine... How badly did he beat her up? Like, close to death? Was she actually close to death? Or was like, she just... Well, he was like... I and imagine... it took like a bunch of people to restrain him. Oh, fuck. Like, I imagine it was just like a couple things and then they grabbed him. And I'm like... Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. When Christine heard me calling on the name of Jesus, she started saying it too, and I believe firmly that it was only by calling on his name that I was not killed. <gasps> oh my goodness. Michael would later claim to have no memory of this incident. Of course he would. I'm not liking this Michael guy so yeah. <laughs> You forget the parts you don't want to remember. Brandon's faces are making me like so intrigued. <laughs> Despite his outburst, he was received by everyone and was forgiven. Uh, everyone knew to watch out and keep a close eye on him. In case he fucking beats your ass so he almost die. Basically, they saw him not improving in the fact that he was worsening. No. No. <laughs> that, that no. I fucked up that sentence. <laughs> he wasn't improving, so obviously he was worsening. <laughs> they saw he wasn't improving, so he must have been worsening. <laughs> Not a it's, a, it's a classic case of worsening when you're not improving. <laughs> you ain't going up, you're going down. That was that was it. That was it. That might have topped the three years ago. Title of the podcast. This is the title of the podcast. The longest title ever. If you're not getting better, you're worsening. Robert okay. hates us right now. <laughs> he just hear oh. outside of his headphones. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Anyways, they just saw him getting worse. So he's gonna change it. Is he getting better though? <laughs> was he improving at all? <laughs> or was it pure worsening? <laughs> he was worsening. <laughs> Anyways, local ministers came to the realization that Michael might be under the influence of demonic forces and came to the conclusion that an exorcism should be performed. Okay. So on October 5th, 1974, at midnight, Father Peter Vincent and Rev. Raymond Smith performed the exorcism. As soon as it began, Michael went into uncontrollable convulsions and fits of scratching, spitting, and biting. They forcefully tied him to the floor, and over the period of eight hours, Michael had cru cru crucifixes shoved into his mouth, was what? doused with holy water, 
and forced to confess his sins, all the while he was growling and snapping at anyone who came near him. This does not sound like a normal exorcism. This sounds yeah. like torture, Loki. That seems unusually Loki. aggressive to be forcing crucifixes in someone's mouth. I've and never heard of that. like pouring holy water all over them? Yeah, yeah. like dousing them. Like Weird. Probably waterboarding at this point. Yeah. Like it sounds. This is church is full of fucking sociopaths, dude. I swear to God. <clears throat> oh my God, it gets worse. <laughs> The priest claimed that they exorcised 40 demons out of him, some representing incest, bestiality, blasphemy, lewdness, hearsay? Hearsay. Hearsay. Oh, yeah, I that. said it wrong too. <laughs> Masochism? Mas Masochism? Yeah, that. Mm -hmm. And carnal knowledge. What the fuck is carnal knowledge? I had to Google it and is I was it? like, why? The f why? What's carnal knowledge? It's. it's literal like definition is sexual intercourse ew <laughs> just threw up inside of my mask the s word are you serious Randy? s-e-x yeah. <gasps> i said <laughs> yep so by 8 a.m on october 6th the priests were exhausted and called it a day sure michael was exhausted too <laughs> yeah and decided the exorcism would be finished at a later time. Even though they claimed three demons, those of insanity, anger, and murder, were still stubbornly digging their claws into my You might want to get those ones out real quick. Right? Jesus Christ. Like, they were like, yeah, we exercised 40 demons out of them, but there's still three more. Those are but just we'll, murder. We'll, we'll do yeah. it the next day, yeah. pretty those much. Are, we got rid of the sex thoughts, though. Those are three big giants yeah. of demons. <laughs> mm-hmm. The wife of Raymond Smith, Margaret, um, was said to have witnessed the exorcism, claimed that she received a warning in her mind from God that said that the demon of murder was going to escape and kill Christine. She pleaded with the priests to complete the exorcism, but they were like, nah, let's go home and rest and prepare for round two, which Mother was supposed fuckers. to be the next day. They should have just, like, low-key just locked up in a room. They're like, okay, go home, Michael, to your family. It, that's basically what they did. <laughs> oh, no. So at 10 a.m. on October 6th, just two hours after being sent home, Michael brutally attacked and killed his wife, Christine. Um, just gonna give you a warning. It was pretty graphic. Okay, skip a little, guys. He strangled her to death with his bare hands, <gasps> gouged out her eyes, <gasps> teared out her tongue, and ripped most of her face off. Oh, my God. He then grabbed a poodle and also slaughtered it, practically Ugh. tearing it limb by limb. Oh my god. His kids didn't get okay. It doesn't say anything about the kids. I, don't, okay. I hope they weren't home. Maybe they were at school. Maybe. That's so sad. Ooh, they try to warn them too. Mm-hmm. Well, Leah, they needed a break, so. Well, they could fucking <laughs> sleep when he's finally exercised. They could have gone that five hour energy and stayed awake. That's sad. That's awful. He then was seen wandering out in the street, naked, covered in blood, and <gasps> ma manically shouting, It's the blood of Satan. Ugh. He was arrested, but eventually found not guilty by reason of insanity and was deemed to be clinically and legally insane. Oh my god. And he was sentenced to two years in a psychiatric hospital. Wait, two years? Yes, Are and then two more in like an infirmary. So, so four total? Mm -hmm. Do we know if he's like out there now then? He must be, huh? This is in the 70s? Yes. So he's literally out there running free now, huh? Yeah, well, I wouldn't well, say free. 
Okay, what happened There's next? a little more. Um, okay. Do they get a... Oh, I won't even ask because I'm doing that thing where I ask them and you're going to say it. <laughs> um, well, yeah, the priest actually, like, uh, testified on his behalf and they were like, he's definitely, like, this is an authentic case of possession. Like, it's not his fault. Yeah. And so they, like, just clinically said he was insane. But anyone who listened to how he did it, yo, that's real bad. Yeah. Real fucking bad. After his trial and sentence, Michael would continue to display odd behavior as well as fall into a deep depression and make a total of four suicide attempts wow. over the years. In July of 2005, Michael Taylor, still best known for his alleged demonic possession and murder, would enter the news again when he was arrested for sexually harassing an underage girl. Ugh. What a creep. But basically, they gave him a light sentence of three years because they were like his previous charges are like unrelated. No, are that you was, joking? Yeah, I'm, no, I'm not joking. Uh, uh, but he, they gave him three years of community service and just like community further, service, not even anything. <laughs> further psychiatric treatment. They didn't even finish his exorcism. This dude. Can just, I see a picture of him? Are you on the Wikipedia page? Well, it was, um, I was one of pictures, yeah. Did he ever, he uh, get arrested for beating up the priest? No. No. You looked at me like it was obvious. Of course he didn't get arrested for almost killing somebody. <laughs> oh, you meant the, well, and the guy he was having Murray. Yeah. Yeah. Why am I not surprised about the underage thing whenever he was, like, obsessed with this 21-year-old? He looks, he doesn't look like a crazy dude he looks like he looks like he looks like somebody you would see as a serial killer for sure yes with those glasses come um, on the glasses his poor wife lovely bones bro very lo- lovely bones yeah. vibes don't worry we'll upload pictures sad yeah well that well, was dark well fuck <laughs> fuck that guy honestly sorry and they never even finished exercising him nope. the priest just gave up when he was out of jail they were like well, I mean, eh, you've already killed it's fine yeah, he never <laughs> got he never got a complete exorcism, huh? No. Maybe He's that's still why. alive now. Mm-hmm. Oh my mm. god. Alright. So I'm gonna be talking about the possession and exorcisms of Anna Eckland. Let me start off by saying her name wasn't Anna Eckland. It was probably Emma Schmidt, but we don't really know her name for sure. She was given given a pseudonym by a German priest by the name of Father Carl Vogel, V-O-G-L. He wrote about her possessions, and it was in a pamphlet distributed to churches that was later changed to a book, and it's named Be Gone, Satan, which I really fucking like. Uh, But yeah, I'm just going to stick with Anna for the story because I knew otherwise I'd get confused researching. Did you just use the name as, like, an example or what? Like, she's an anonymous woman who this all happened to. Oh, okay, gotcha. Like a Jane Doe. Yeah, and they're pretty sure it was this girl named uh, Emma Schmidt, Mm -hmm. but, like, they don't know for sure. Okay. So, Anna was born in 1882 in Wisconsin to a Catholic German family. Oh, my God, you guys, I just realized that my family's Catholic and your guys' families are religious. Mine's Catholic German, too. I know. Whenever he's a Catholic German, I was like, hey. And instead instead of Anna, it's Annalise. It might be Anna. I don't know. Annalise? I don't know. I really do. So I wasn't able to find much information on her mom, other than she may have died in the early 1890s, or she left her family, one of those. Her father, Jacob, though, was rumored to be an alcoholic and a womanizer. So he was also opposed to the church and would mock Anna for being religious. 
He's Maka's a, daughter? He's just a dick. Damn. Many, oh, just wait. Many believe that he attempted to begin a sexual relationship with his daughter when she was between the ages of 10 and 14. Ew. 10 and 14. Gross. She obviously Are rejected you sure him. Possessed? Yeah, right? <laughs> uh,. It, yeah, it was just fucking gross. She's just a kid. She rejected him. She's like, um, I'm a child and I'm your child. You yeah, fucking sicko. that's disturbing. So, like I said, Anna grew up a devout Catholic. And she would, like, go to church multiple times a week. All that jazz. Oh, God. You said like that. A you said that. I was to about. Well, I also said all that jazz. And we're not talking <laughs> about it. So. I was saying if you want to repeat it. And then you could take out the all the jazz part. I don't know. I like when I sound stupid sometimes. It's pretty funny. <laughs> um, at the age of 14, she began to show signs of demonic possession. Some of the signs included her showing a revulsion towards holy objects and an ability to enter churches, like a physical... It would look like a fucking physical barrier was there, mm-hmm. keeping her from going in. Disturbed thoughts. Don't delusions. Yeah, delusions. <laughs> it's an illusion. She would want to harm priests. She would take part in and show interest in unspeakable sexual acts. I think that might have been the incest. Such as? I think it was the incest. Ew. I don't know if she actually took part in it or not. Yeah. If she did, um, regardless, she's a child, so. She won't be dead? Yes. <laughs> so she also began to show signs of depression. Same. And <laughs> felt that she was going really insane. Double. Yeah. Same. Um, it's theorized by some that a few of these symptoms may have just been a reaction to her mother's death or leaving, whatever happened. And I definitely think that they could have just been brought on by that or the trauma of her dad trying to sexually assault her, maybe? I don't know. It sounds reasonable to it's assume pretty. one of those things caused her to react to certain Yeah, life. I guess so. So, over the years, Anna, I feel like it must be Anna now that I'm saying it. Anna's German say all. No. Oh. No. I said Annalise, not Annalise. It's Annalise. I know. I might just stick with Anna, though, because I'm committed at this point. <laughs> so over the years, Anna visited different doctors, but none could find something wrong with her. And one specialist said she was normal in the fullest sense. Anna had an aunt named Mina who was having an affair with Jacob, Anna's father. I'm not sure if Mina was, like, blood-related to Jacob or if it was, like, um, oh, the mom's so sister. I right same. <laughs> but regardless, like he has no shame in taking from oh, the family. Yeah, no. It's weird as hell. I feel like he would have been down for blood relatives too. Oh, the 19th century was such a weird time for incest. It was not normal was for the so situation either. Disturbing. <laughs> I don't even know if it was a weird time or if now we just don't realize as much. Yeah. <laughs> Locals at the time believed that Mina was a witch and practiced her black magic and. Because, of course, he's having an affair with her witch aunt. <laughs> Obviously. And it's alleged that Mina began to curse Anna by placing herbs with spells cast on them in her food that she would give her. It's thought that she did this to punish Anna for refusing Jacob's advances. Ew. So that means not only was she down with, like, her boyfriend slash brother-in-law, like, trying to hook up with a 10-year-old, but she was punishing the 10-year-old for not sleeping with him. It's it fucking was nasty. salt and pepper. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people think that this is what led to Anna becoming fully possessed by the time she was 26. Went through a lot of trauma. Yeah. And she was having those, like, mild possessions for 12 years before she became fully possessed, too. Mm-hmm. So, according to what I read, one of the key ways to tell if someone's possessed is if they can understand or speak languages that they should have no knowledge of. 
For Anna, she seemed to show the ability to understand Latin, German, Polish, Hebrew, Italian, and more Slavic languages. German kind of makes sense because she lived in like a German town in uh, whatever state this was. And the Latin, they think she maybe like could have picked up phrases from church. But mm-hmm. the other ones, yeah, no fucking idea. When people were speaking conversationally in Latin near her, she would show no reaction. But whenever they began to pray in Latin, she would react negatively and start foaming at the mouth. What the fuck? <laughs> she would also have violent reactions when given items that had been sprinkled in holy water or blessed. While she seemed indifferent when given unconsecrated items. Like, they wouldn't tell her. They would just, like, hand her shit. And she'd be like, ah! Yeah, because if you're possessed, you're not supposed to be able to touch things that have holy water on them. That's why your story was crazy that they just grabbed the rosary. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, I don't care. She got Lucifer in her, dude. He's oh, a strong guy. Not to be like Brandy, but... <laughs> just wait. <laughs> oh, you got Lucifer, too? We'll see. So, in 1912, at the age of 30, Anna was given her first exorcism by a monk named Father... Get ready for this name. Theophilus Rissinger. Mm, can I see the spelling of it, please? Yeah. Theophilus? Where is it? Point to it. Pull out your German, Leah. Theophilus Riesinger. Riesinger. Yeah, you got it. It's just a weird name, then. <laughs> like, I mean, I've never heard the name Theophilus. 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 So, not another... Phenomena. 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 Not much is... <laughs> I'm so sorry. Just the tune. <laughs> Not much is known about this ritual, though, as there wasn't much documentation on it, but it was noted that the monk was able to free her of possession. The end. Wow. Thanks. If I wasn't joking, I was like, so if you guys want to follow us. What a I classic mean- joke of me. We're, we're pretty high in our minutes now, so... Okay, shut up. Yeah, let me keep going. So, after this experience, Anna kind of just disappeared for nearly two decades, but it's assumed that her Aunt Mina was still cursing her food, and some think Mina may have been working with Jacob to try and summon the devil to torment Anna. Yeah. It's fucked up. <laughs> Unfortunately, in the summer of 1928, Anna began to show signs of possession again. She was constantly having sexual thoughts and said she was being tormented by the spirits of her father and Aunt Mina, who had both since passed away. She was unable to act normally and at one point attempted to suffocate her spiritual counselor. She attempted to get help from doctors, but they were dismissive of her again. So then she got in contact with Riesinger to help her. Riesinger is the guy who helped her out earlier. So Riesinger had become a little bit of an exorcism celebrity around town. He was the most experienced exorcist in the North Americas and he had done 19 rituals so far wow, counting so her first one it's like the pre-ed and lorraine warren yeah every year he was doing a fucking ritual nice good for him good for, i'm proud of him <laughs> theophilus or whatever theophilus yeah. yeah i just call him Rissinger for the rest good of the old, thing, good old theophilus let's just call him theo uh he examined anna for signs of possession and agreed that she was indeed possessed again they wanted to keep this exorcism on the down low to give anna some anonymity anonymity Anonymity? To keep her anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> so Rissinger went and consulted his old friend, Reverend Joseph Steiger. Steiger? Steiger? Steiger. I think it's Steiger. In Erling, Iowa. He asked for permission to perform the exorcism in Steiger's church. Steiger then consulted with his bishop, Thomas Drum, and they agreed that this was a case of possession and they approved the use of exorcism. Anna? Bitch, am I really switching how to say her name all of a sudden? You are. She's Anna now, you guys. Anna slash Anna. Yeah. 
So Anna arrived by train in early morning on August 18th, 1928. She seemed happy about finally getting help when leaving the train, but when she was greeted by priests, she lashed out and attempted to choke them. Jeez. <laughs> so cool. She just walked around like, da-da-da-da. <gasps> That's my possessed noise. Have you guys noticed I've been yeah. screaming a lot this yeah. episode? That sounds... <gasps> so Steiger opted... Bitch, did I change his name too? <laughs> Steiger? Steiger opted to take his new car to the convent rather than the train, but was having issues with it and it kept malfunctioning, causing him to be there two hours later than planned. Riesinger wasn't too phased by this and was basically like, uh, yeah, doy, you're gonna have a hard time coming here. The devil's working against us. <laughs> the first session of Anna's exorcism started that day and went until the 26th. I said, Anna, didn't I? <laughs> so while there, the nuns would bless Anna's food with holy water without telling her before giving to her because this is just like their own little tradition. They weren't doing it on purpose. However, when she saw the food, she'd become enraged, would hiss like a cat, and refuse to eat anything. She was placed on a bed with an iron frame, and her arms, sleeves, and dress were tied to her so she wouldn't come undressed and would be unable to attack anyone. There were several nuns there to help hold her down. They chose the most soul of the nuns I read. <laughs> Not long after the prayers for the exorcism began, Anna fell unconscious. Fuck her, dude. She fell unconscious, and I read that she remained this way through most of the ceremony. So I'm gonna go ahead and assume that the demons were coming out of her, because you will hear soon. <laughs> so her eyes were so tightly shut closed that even if you try to force them open, you were unable to. As soon as Rissinger began to recite the names of the Holy Trinity, Anna suddenly managed to free herself of the nun's grips and leapt off the bed to the wall above the doorway to the room. They all witnessed her crouching sideways along the wall, just kind of like hovering against it. That's so terrible. It was really creepy. Uh, she was growling and murmuring at them. Murmuring. Murmuring. You got it. Murmuring. Oh, yeah, you something like talking to me. You got it. You got it's okay. It. So Father Risinger again, wasn't that discouraged. He was like, all right, go grab her, put her back in bed. <laughs> the nuns were like, okay. She's like hovering on the wall. Yeah. Just okay. defying gravity, and he's like, get her. Get her down. <laughs> she's just doing the most right now. This bitch. While he was praying, Anna began writhing in bed like she was in pain, and she would howl, quote, like a pack of wild beasts suddenly let loose. Probably like years screaming in ears. She was so loud that even neighbors of the coven could hear it, and they were like, the fuck is going on in there? <laughs> Anna also apparently attacked Riesinger during the ritual, but I couldn't find out like exactly what she did. Choked him out, probably. Probably. Or probably tried. Her go-to move. Yeah. <laughs> she would also frequently puke, spit, urinate, and defecate in what was described as inhuman quantities, especially Ooh. considering that she was refusing to eat, and she would only consume a teaspoon of water and milk the morning of the exorcisms. A teaspoon? I'm just imagining inhuman amount of shits. Yeah. That's what? Like, like It was inhuman. <laughs> Like, so much. Oh, it was out of human. It was out of her body, yeah. It came out of the human. <laughs> First it was in an inhuman, and then it was out of human. Yes. That's the way it goes. <laughs> when vomiting, they would also find weird stuff in it, like what appeared to be tobacco leaves and spices. What the fuck? Yeah, it's fucking gross. And other times it would just be pure fluid. I just had to, yeah. had to include some more uh, puke descriptions for you guys. <laughs> had to do it to them. No. <laughs> <laughs> All this chaos was going on, and Anna still seemed to just be unconscious and unaware of her surroundings. So I don't know when she threw herself on the wall, like, if her eyes opened. Yeah. 
I don't fucking know. She could just not recall the entire incident happening. Like, she could have been blacked out, but, you know, the demons were working through her. Just like Michael was blacked out? Yeah, true. Witnesses in the room said she would sometimes speak in different languages or in growls, but her lips would never move, almost as if the sounds were coming from, like, somewhere inside of her. She could have been a ventriloquist, though. Like, let's be real here. Through these voices, the priest was able to discern some of the demons possessing Anna. Some of the entities possessing her included her father, Jacob, because they went to hell, her aunt, Mina, because she went to hell, Judas, Beelzebub, I love that guy, Lucifer, and dozens of other lesser demons. So, yeah, I got Lucifer, too. I'm not trying to brag. Wait, do you know who Beelzebub is? I think I talk about Beelzebub a little later. Okay. If not... If you don't, I'm going to ask you again. Don't worry. Yeah. They continued these rituals for eight days until they decided Anna needed a break. She was starting to become emaciated and pale. Kind of like your girl. Mm-hmm. Once the first session concluded, Anna opened her eyes again and seemed to go back to a normal conscious state. After this, I guess they just took a little break. Nothing exciting happened. At least nothing noteworthy. She was probably just hanging out the coven. Just chilling, drinking her holy food. I don't know. <laughs> the next exorcism took place on September 13th. So during the second session, Rissinger was able to get a better idea as to why the demons were tormenting her. He would ask them a question in a foreign language and receive an answer in whichever language he was using and theorize that he could have used any language that existed and they would have understood him. He should be talking to them in a bunch of different languages and she'd be like, ah, yes. Whoa, demons speak in all tongues. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He first spoke with Beelzebub. Is that what I love him. I I love the name. I don't know who the fuck that is. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Good old Beelzebub. I thought you were going to explain who he was if I didn't. No, I... <laughs> okay, well, I don't actually think I explained him, so that's great. Uh, Beelzebub told him that he was the demon that originally possessed Anna as she was a child, and that he'd be given this task by Satan after Jacob called upon him to curse his daughter for not having an incestuous relationship with him. Ew. This is literally all because she didn't want to commit incest with her dad. Next, he spoke with Judas, who in the hierarchy of hell is essentially the patron demon of suicides. He was told of being charged by Satan. I wrote Stan. Stan told him to do this. So Satan. <laughs> Good old Stan. Praise Stan. Uh, so Satan told him to torture Anna until he drove her to the mortal sin of suicide so she would be cursed to go to hell as well. He's quoted as saying, to bring her to despair so that she'll commit suicide and hang herself. She must get the rope. She must go to hell. Rissinger was later able to talk to Jacob, her dad, he spoke of being damned to hell, not for mocking the church or, re- or re- oh my God. <laughs> not for mocking the church or refusing religion, but rather for cursing Anna because she refused his sexual advances. So it also doesn't sound like he was even sent for trying to have sex with her. It's because he cursed her after. Yeah. Which is should have been both. Yeah. Once in hell, he possessed her only to cause his own child pain and anguish, as Satan gave him the go-ahead to sexually assault her from hell. Ew, yeah. Mina claims she was sent to hell in part for her affair with Jacob. It's not one of the reasons Jacob was sent, though. I don't know. Well, sex is saying. Uh, she's a witch. Weirdly, not because she's a witch. They were chill with that in heaven. Uh, but also for killing four of her own children while alive. Oh. I think she just had abortions, though. Um, <laughs> like, did that really happen? No, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's just she had abortions. Weirdly, she was not in hell, though, for being supportive of Jacob trying to assault his daughter. No. Who was her own niece, by the way? Way to protect your family, bitch. Both of you. 
All these little demon interviews, of course, didn't happen just conflict-free in one fluid conversation. In the middle of the, con of the questions, Anna would suddenly be overtaken by the lesser demons and she began to howl in pain. Oh, jeez. <laughs> she would appear to be so light sometimes that she would slightly levitate off of her bed. And other times she became so heavy that the weight of her would bend the legs of the iron rot bed that she was laying on. What the fuck? She would verbally assault everyone in the room and tell of their sins from their childhoods that nobody knew about them. Her face and body would turn red and swell up. Her lips would become so enlarged that they were compared to the size of hands, and she was described as looking unrecognizable and ready to burst. Wait, that's an interesting thing that popped up a few times when I was researching Annalise Michelle in my story, that it's very common in exorcisms and people who are possessed for pretty much the demons to be mocking them by enlarging like certain body parts, like making it so they look pretty much like freakish. Yeah. And whenever you mentioned that the person's hands were swollen, I was uh -huh. like, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Common theme. Yeah. Then suddenly after like being swollen, she would turn emaciated again and super pale and her body would be hard to the touch. Hmm. Throughout this, as you can imagine, it was pretty rough on all involved. Steiger in particular was having a really hard time with it and found it difficult to sleep at night because he could hear rats in his walls and his room would vibrate and rumble. He was able to make this going away using prayer and religious items, but it was obviously taking a toll on his mental health. As it would. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have to be such a little bitch about it, but yeah. The devil would frequently use Anna's body to threaten the pastor and on one occasion told him, I cannot harm God directly, but I can touch you in his church. Just wait until the end of this week. When Friday comes, then... Dot, dot, dot. He trailed off. <laughs> oh, no. I would just hide in the room all day Friday. Right? But he didn't. So that Friday, Steiger was called to visit the home of a dying woman to read her her last rites. And he was like, okay. Remember so he's safe enough. Yeah. So he remembered the threats against him, and he made sure to drive carefully down this familiar road that he'd driven hundreds of times and prayed beforehand for safety. He was able to arrive there all right, but on his drive back, he saw a black cloud appear in the middle of the road, and he was, like, kind of blinded by it. And at that same moment, he, like, swerved and crashed into the railing of a bridge. But, thankfully, he only had minor injuries, even though it, like, totally fucked up his what car. The heck? I read one um, source, not sure if this is true, that the car was, like, low-key dangling off the bridge. Whoa. But that, I wasn't sure if that was just an exaggeration. Though, regardless, like, if he had gotten in a crash on that one day in particular that yeah. she predicted it, that's... I don't know, dude, that's not I would have just stayed home. I would have been like, tell this old lady to wait another day. So oh my god, wait rides. another day to die. <laughs> <laughs> not a good time. I'm busy today. <laughs> Whenever he went back to the coven that night or the next day or whenever, upon seeing him, Anna burst into laughter and threatened him to be, threatened him to be, quote, ready for a whole lot more fun. Oh, hell no. <laughs> She's talking with him, huh? Oh, yes. After a total of seven days, they again decided in the second session, as they feared for Anna's life, and low-key, they all needed a break, especially Steiger, who was, like, fucked up. Again, nothing of interest happened in the time in between. Mm -hmm. So the third and final session started on December 15th. Started out pretty much the same, but slightly worse. A foul stench was stuck in the room. Mosquitoes and flies would suddenly appear, like, hordes of mosquitoes and flies, and then they would just disappear mm -hmm. as suddenly as they came on. There was growling and insults thrown, and Anna's head and body swelled up again, making her appear double her size. Steiger basically said, fuck this shit, and excused himself from the exorcisms, <laughs> except he absolutely needed to help. Yeah. He was like, you know, if it's, like, really, really bad, call me, but otherwise, bye. You got this. <laughs> I'm out of here. 
Reisinger, meanwhile, was committed to ending this once and for all, feeling that he had already rid on of most of the lesser demons, and now he just had to face off with the larger ones in order to save her. He stayed up for three nights, continuously. Wow. 36 hours. And he would perform rituals over her this entire time. This concerns some of the other witnesses in the room, as they described him as looking like a walking corpse from the lack of rest, but he was undeterred. Finally, on December 22nd, he felt he had made a breakthrough when Anna began to levitate above her bed so that only her heels touched the mattress. I don't know why this would be considered a breakthrough. That seems terrifying. Yeah, but at this point, he was, like, super fucking exhausted and was, again, like, I command you demons to hell. Yep. Condemn you to hell in this body. Yeah, but I imagine he's saying, like, tired. He's like, just leave. (laughs) I want to go to sleep. (laughs) He then claimed to have a vision where he can see the room on fire in a circle, and in the corner of the room he could physically see Beelzebub and Lucifer staring at him in anger. He described Lucifer as being extremely tall, wearing a crown, and having the lower half of his body covered in matted fur leading down to hooves. Oh, hell no. Yeah. At the end of the vision, the room shook and then all went silent before Anna collapsed back in the bed. The demonic entity seemed to leave her body, screaming over and over, Beelzebub, Judas, Jacob, Mina, hell, 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 as they left. Six, six, six. Six, six, six. The number of the beast. <laughs> she then woke up again and smiled. Wait, didn't your person... Your person... Did someone smile in their story? Oh, your person thought that they were healed at first, yeah, and then she died, she so did. I feel kind of like a dick for bringing that up. She thought that the demons had left her, but they, they came back. That's sad. Ten minutes later. Oof. But yeah, she then woke up, smiled, and said in her normal voice, my Jesus, mercy, praise be Jesus Christ. The final exorcism was successful. Was it actually successful? So Anna was able to return to her normal low-key life and reportedly had other possessions while alive, but they were described as milder and manageable, <laughs> which seems like really possessions. shitty, actually, but I guess that this was good for her. A mild possession. For the rest of her life. Compared to the first few. Yeah. Um, all that was left in the room where she'd have been exercised to show had gone down was a foul smell that seemed to stay in there for months. And in, 19, in the 1990s, the building was demolished. Even the nuns who were involved in the exorcism, once it was done, they uh, submitted relocation requests as they were so traumatized by all the events that had unfolded. Oh. Rissinger, meanwhile, continued his work as a priest and went on to assist in many more exorcisms until his death. Wow. But yeah, um, it's a happy story because her possessions throughout the rest of her life were just mild. Mild possessions. This is nothing. They're, yeah, it's what I've They're manageable. She's yeah, like, I'm like, what's a manageable exercise yeah. possession? She's like working like a full-time job and like on her 10-minute break she goes and she's like, six, 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 the number of the beast. Goes back after 10 minutes. Okay, I managed it. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. We're fine. Uh, sorry for the long episode, everyone. Unless I condense it down when I edit. <laughs> Ooh. I'm sorry. Believe that. <laughs> if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's Tales from the Meow Podcast. Our email, Tales from the Meow Podcast at gmail.com. Our website is Tales from Podcast.com. Our Twitter is spooky underscore beyond. Always feels ridiculous saying that I one after that. everything. Delete it. Delete it. Uh, yeah, let us know what you guys think. Let us know any episode suggestions. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.